welcome everyone into the Big Ten versus the SEC podcast. We are your hosts, Jeremy and Roxanne. Our show covers all things Big Ten and SEC football. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Big Ten versus. <laughs> podcast today we'll be covering a few things around the conference before introducing a new segment you'll want to stick around for this we'll have an additional episode later this week covering the toughest schedules in the big 10 and the sec for all the details follow us at big 10 versus sec on instagram twitter and facebook that's big one zero vs sec you better follow us or i'm gonna steal your dog that's that's not true sort of. <laughs> okay kentucky let's start Let's start today's show now. Kentucky just keeps taking the hits. Um, they lost their offensive coordinator to Tampa Bay, and then Tampa Bay hires their assistive, assistant offensive line coach, um, Brian Picucci, as well. I went down yonder on a Brian Picucci. It was hotter than a hoochie-coochie. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, keeping with the Tampa Bay theme. Georgia. Georgia. Is now on the lookout for a wide receivers coach because Tampa Bay poached him too. Yeah, I like their style. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Georgia does have some things to look forward to this year. Um, according to ESPN, the Dogs currently have the number one recruiting class, and while they are losing Brock Bowers, they will gain Trevor Etienne from Florida, which is a sad day for most Florida fans, as he was likely the best player on their team. Um, at LSU, uh, running back Trey Holly is arrested. Holly faces charges of attempted second-degree murder, aggravated criminal damage to property, and illegal use of a weapon. Holly took to Twitter and said he was falsely identified, accused, and arrested, and that he is 100% innocent. I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him. Red flag. Um, now, I will say that you are supposed to be innocent until you are proven guilty. Um, and if this kid didn't do anything wrong, great. I find it extraordinarily hard to believe that um he could be a target he just could I be mean, a target for someone maybe it's a vendetta maybe someone's jealous of falsely identified falsely there's a, identified yeah, there's there could be many reasons he also may have done it we don't know but it's never a good sign when one of your teammates is arrested for attempted murder yeah no no definitely not so uh, moving further west, um, the Oklahoma Sooners will offer Amari and Xavier Sab scholarships. You'll recognize that name. They are the two younger brothers of Michigan's Keon Sab, who Safety. is currently in the transfer portal. He's yeah, that's a quality player too. Um, he's he arguably starts on majority of the top ten teams. Um, it's just Michigan, I think, was really stacked at that position. So this is a good player. This is a good move by the Sooners. I think they have a pretty good shot that he'll be on the roster next season. You'll think you think we'll see all three brothers on the field together. I don't know that. I don't know how good. I don't follow high school recruiting. It's not worth my time. But um, I would say they might all be on the same team. It's very possible. Uh, next up, let's talk about some Big Ten. 
Washington Huskies. ESPN a few weeks ago released a way too early preseason poll. Guess who didn't land in the top 10? You guessed it. The Washington, Washington Huskies. Huskies. That's tough. Six, you know, we're six weeks out of the national champion. You you were one good half away from winning a national championship. And now ESPN says you're not good enough to be in their top 10. Do you think this is a slight to the Huskies? Or do you think maybe, you know, between losing their coach, players that have left through the portal, graduation, panics on to the NFL, do you think that's a fair assessment of their team? I don't see where ESPN saw such a big drop off. I would agree with maybe somewhere between seven and 10. I don't know that out of the top 10, I I don't think that I'd put number two in the nation out of the top 10 from jump. Yeah. I mean, the only two teams I could really call right now that I know are going to be good next year would be Georgia at number one and then Ohio State. And that's just based off what they've been doing. But let's move on. You know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team. What he said about our team. I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. And it's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what. I love those kids. And we got a tough team. I fucking love those kids too, Ryan. Let's go get it. All right. So Ohio State. uh, It's reported that. They paid around $3 million to a Caleb Downs. He's a freshman from Bama. He's no longer on that roster. Entered the transfer portal after Saban's retirement. Uh, and now is going to be a bu- on the Buckeye roster next year. $3 million for a defensive back. Now, he did leave the Crimson Tide with 107 tackles last year. It's never been done by a freshman. So this is not a normal defensive back. This kid's a star already. Do you think $3 million is too high? Now, according to On3, Shador Sanders uh, is getting the most NIL. He's getting $4.7 million a year. Arch, Arch Manning. Who's riding the pine pony. <laughs> he's never played a meaningful snap in college football, is getting $2.3 million. And then you have Quinn Ewers, who is the Texas starting quarterback, at $1.9 million. That's crazy to me that they're offering this kid that much money. Do you think Ohio State just had too much of that money left over that they were just throwing it at this kid to try and get him to come. I mean, cause they're going to be, they're going to be stacked for sure. I don't know if that results in an actual team, um, but for sure, this team is going to be stacked. Um, they also picked up um, defensive back Davison Igbenosum. Say that five times fast. Running back Quishan Judkins, who is arguably the best back in the SEC. Both of these players coming from old Miss. Um, that's going to be a pretty talented backfield. You got Travion Henderson coming back. He could have declared for the NFL. You're going to have the SEC's best running back in there for a one-two punch. It's almost like they're mirroring their rival, rival Michigan, the, with the great backfield. They have these uh, defensive back that's probably going to be an All-American next year. I mean, do you think this is going to work out? Do you think... Are they are they going to work out with this tactic of paying for a team? Well, I, that's that was going to be my question to you. Do you think that they're buying a team by picking talent out of the portal, or 
and just trying to make it work with what is available. So they're throwing all these money, this money at kids that they think are going to be great. And then this kind of hope that they mesh together um, when it comes time to play football. Yeah, it's I think it's it's going to be tough. We're going to learn a lot this year because I, I don't feel like anyone's quite done it. Uh, this way was being so aggressive with the transfer portal as Ohio State's been. Um, the the question is, bringing these new guys in, they're talented football players. Are they going to understand the rivalries that Ohio State plays? On? And I'm not just talking about Michigan. There's a rivalry between them and Penn State. There's a rivalry between them and Michigan State. Um Maybe it's it's not as uh, competitive as Michigan State versus Michigan, but there's still a strong rivalry there. Um, I, I don't see a lot of moves uh, with offensive linemen and defensive linemen. That's where you want to have the strength of your team. Um, yeah, it's great to have shutdown corners, um, but I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. It's going to be a very interesting year, and if Ohio state ends up winning the national championship, like things are going to be real messy next year. Kids are going to be making $10 million a year to come play for a team. And that's, that's pure insanity. Um, but also in related news, it looks like they've named a linebackers coach as well. James Laronitis. He was a former linebacker himself years ago. Uh, just a great, great player. And I think he's going to be a great coach. Uh, let's also talk about UCLA. Um, they hired, uh, their running back coach, Deshaun Foster, to replace Chip Kelly, which um, leads us to our next part that I want to talk about. And it has to do with uh, some coaching moves. What I need you to do, bear with me, I want you to list in order. Uh, I got a couple, I got three coaching moves. I want you to list them in order, one to three, one being the most surprising and three being the least. You following? Yep, I got it. All right. Yep. One of them being Saban retiring. Okay. The next, Harbaugh to the NFL. And lastly, Chip Kelly stepping down from his head coach position at UCLA to take the offensive coordinator position at Ohio State. Okay. What do you think? My list from bottom to top is 3-2-1. Three, three, Saban retiring. It's not that surprising. Saban looked like a bag of dicks at the end of the season. He was tired. You could tell he was tired. You could just see it in his face. We kind of discussed that in our last show. Um, it was time for him to go. Harbaugh to the NFL is definitely a middle of the road at number two for me because he had teased moving to the NFL previously. And I think every Michigan fan had it in their head that he wasn't going to go anywhere until he won a national championship. And then when yeah, they did a, win a national championship, he was kind of a coochie cheat teaser. Wasn't he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then when they did win a national championship, it was still felt like he was on the fence about leaving. I mean, maybe he wasn't, maybe he always knew that he would, but it did take some time for him to make that conclusion. So definitely at number one, Chip Kelly to Ohio State. I do not have any idea why he would do that. Um, and do you have any, like, what's your idea there? Um, 
So if I was to do, it would be very similar. Uh, saving retiring. He he retired. He's looked tired for uh, the last two years. He's just looked different. He's, he's looked he's looked really. He's had a lack of energy. Just there's something different about him. I'm not saying that he's um, he's ha- facing some kind of sickness or anything. He just seemed like he didn't have that same save and fire that he you know we're used to seeing that we've been spoiled with for the last you know. 15 year, 10, 15 years uh, with him coaching at Alabama. He's probably been coaching that long, but somewhere roughly in that area. So I don't think that was surprising to a lot of people. Um, and I would also tie Harbaugh to the NFL um, throughout the whole season. You know, anytime you heard him um, getting interviewed, which man, that was like pulling teeth. Oh boy. Um, it, it almost, he was almost promoting within. He was always talking about, his assistant coaches, how they should be head coaches. And I think he knew going into the season, he was going to have a really good team, a really great team that had a really great opportunity to win the national championship. And ultimately they did, even with him missing six games of the season. And I think he was trying to instill in the fan base, in the region. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's like, I can go, you know, the last was three games he was suspended. He basically anointed who Michigan's next coach was going to be. And it couldn't have worked out better. They go three and oh, yeah. Michigan's new coach has already got a win versus the Ohio state university. At the same time though, as a fan at the end of the season, you've got to be thinking to yourself, <laughs> where what's happening what where is this guy going what is he doing because it it took such a long time for him to actually make that call that he was leaving and i don't know if that was intentional on his part um or if it was just a waiting game to hear back from the chargers yeah i mean people can say what they want to say it that's a great place to live <laughs> I mean, it has its issues like any other state or any place, but uh, count me in. That's where I would love to be. It's a, California's a different state of mind. It's easy to judge it from the outside. Now, like I said, there are some political issues that kind of get in the way of how great of a state it, it could be, but it's still really good. So next up, I want to talk about Chip Kelly to the Ohio State. As you kind of uh, were talking about, this makes... Does it not does it not make any sense? He was trying to get a head coaching position in NFL. NFL doesn't want him as head coach. They've seen it doesn't work. He didn't have the experience that Harbaugh did. Harbaugh had success. Chip Kelly did not. Chip Kelly was a disaster in the NFL. So you think that his move to Ohio State as offensive coordinator is trying for him, is him trying to prove to the NFL that he could be a great offensive coordinator? Yeah, absolutely. I think he wants to show them that, like, hey, I still can coordinate an offense and it can be really dynamic. And it and it sure as hell helps the kind of talent he's gonna have at Ohio State. Is going to make him look really good. And not saying that he isn't a great offensive coordinator or offensive mind, because he definitely is. He, the stuff he was doing at Oregon was incredible when he was there. And then he went to the, to, uh, the NFL, and, and it didn't work out there, but he came back and, 
and maybe UCLA was just not a fit for him. Well, um, to coach. Then there's Paul Feinbaum who calls UCLA a dead end job. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that the job in itself was a problem. I don't think Chip Kelly left because he wasn't producing as a head coach there. I think it was his reasons. Um, like you said, to prove to the NFL that he could be a great offensive coordinator um, and get his foot in the door there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know it's a challenge at UCLA, like a large challenge and it's probably going to take a pretty incredible coach. And I don't know if you exactly want a retread to come in there, like someone who's been successful somewhere else. Maybe you want that guy that's, young it's got energy because it's a challenge with ucl or excuse me with usc right down the road you're constantly fighting that uh prestigious college not that ucla is not prestigious in its own right but when you think about college football you know just the last 25 years if you pick between those teams who's had more success usc yeah it's hands down like um so that that's definitely a huge challenge. Is it a dead end job? I don't think any job in either of these conferences, especially now, is a dead end job. Is it going to be tough? Hell yeah, it's going to be tough. And it's going to be especially challenging for those two teams uh, being out far west and having to do as much traveling as they're going to have to do. Well, but- and having the same, you know, pool talent, pool of talent so close, right? So like... there's not very many college teams that are literally like 45 minutes away from each other. So that kind of, that does help when they do play each other. So, um, but I think it's also, even though it's kind of argumentative that um, you USC didn't want Oregon to come to the big 10, I think it's going to actually work out in their favor that they did just for travel purposes. I'm not sure. It's probably pretty close to probably the distance to Nebraska or to LA as it is to Oregon. True. I don't know the the actual timeline of that, but I think it's going to help just for f- familiarity of playing. You know those teams. Mm-hmm. You you know it's not going to take as much work to prepare for those teams. Uh, I mean, maybe it will. I, but at least they have somewhat of a familiarity. Even though Washington's technically changing uh, coaches, but guess what? Who would they pick them off from? Arizona, and they were pretty familiar with Arizona. Yeah. So I think. Playing those teams will help in a kind of a transition year, really, for all four of those teams. But get to get back to the question, is it a dead-end job? No. So next up. Under pressure. Which coach is under pressure more this year? We got Kalen DeBoer from Bama, Billy Napier from Florida, Ryan Day from Ohio State, and Lincoln Riley at USC. Wow, this is a great question. I'll go ahead and put it kind of in the same order uh, with, and I'll go backwards into the most uh, coach that I believe is under pressure. I would say the least is going to be Lincoln Riley. I think I think he's got a little more leash than the rest of these coaches. Um, I've not been impressed with their defense. It's the offense has been great. Defense. Has not. You build a defense through your line. So he's got to start recruiting better through his line. 
and then outward. It's only going to help everything. Next up, I have Kalen DeBoer. There's going to be a ton of pressure there. Come, following Nick Saban, I would not yeah. want to have that job. No, I don't want that job like, either. I don't know what he's doing in three years, but he's probably going to be planning for another job because there's no way he's going to live up to a Nick Saban team. Do you think that it's unfair? Oh, it's unfair as hell. Well, Jesus, how do you follow it's, that? It's, it, well, yes. When it does is this ever unfair. succeed? And you could probably argue the same thing about uh Coach Sharon Moore coming in after Harbaugh's last three years. Well, minus the fact that he had coached six games through the season yes. and won all six Does games. Does that put so. more pressure on him that he's already got a win against Ohio State? I mean. But anyways, let's move on. Let's go to my next up is going to be Billy Napier of Florida. I don't think this guy's going to have a job all the way through the year. What do I you think? don't think he's going to make it through the season either. Um, Florida's program has been a dumpster fire for <sighs> the last three years. They can sound like a dirty <laughs> uh, And um, there's no way he's making it completely through the season without Florida doing something about it. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if that means. Well, we talked about it kind of last week when we we were talking about the quarterback that they had. Like his his decisions sometimes don't make any sense. And on top of it, you lose your best player on your team to one of your rivals in Georgia. Like, how are you going to recover and somehow pull off a year in which they're going to retain your talents as a head coach? I don't see him making it through the whole the whole season. I see him the Florida fan base not even showing up to games because they're ready to move on from this guy, Yeah, which is sad because Florida is one of those blue bloods you like to see good and you like to see them uh, challenging for an SEC title year in and year out. It just makes college football better. Like It's good to see Florida good. It's good to see Bama good. It's good to see Georgia, Michigan, the Ohio States, USC's. We want those teams good. It makes for better product, better stuff for us to watch on TV. So, all right, lastly, my number one candidate, and you might not believe this, Ryan Day. Oh, no, I definitely believe it. He. You, you cannot spend that much money, get, and he's recruit spent a lot. that well, and lose to a, and I'm, I'm only talking about one game this year, because that's what they're talking about in Columbus. They're not. Yeah, they want to beat the Oregon's, Washington's, all those teams, Penn State's. Losing a Penn State game, Ryan Day ain't losing his job. He loses to first-year coach, even though he's technically already lost to him. But he, if he loses to Sharon Moore and the Michigan Wolverines in that last game of the season, this guy will not be coaching next year. They... They're already calling for his job after last year's loss. I do not believe this guy is going to be around next year should they lose. And the incredible amount of pressure that's going to be on this guy and this team in this game. Mark my words, if they don't take the lead early in this game, they're going to tighten up. It's very important in this game that they get off to a great start against that Michigan team. And they're talented enough. 
Talent is not an issue here. It's culminating this into a team. So we'll see what happens. Now we'd like to introduce a new segment of the show called Wild. Well, tired. In this segment, we'll pick up a few topics to cover and discuss if they're wired, interesting, important, or tired. Nobody cares. It's time to move on. That'll bring us to the two-minute warning. The NCAA reportedly met to discuss the addition of the two-minute warning to college football. Now, last season, they had introduced a new rule of leaving the clock running after first downs, and it turns out that only cut about four minutes out of the game. And now, with the addition of this potential new two-minute warning rule, that would just add that time back. Two-minute warning. Is it wired or tired? I think it's wired. Now, it's not a, a simple answer. One, I love the fact that I can take breaks because my nerves get pumping at the end. It's a close game. I got to take shit. I need to go drop some kids off in the pool, come back, reload, grab a beer, focus, wipe the sweat off, watch the rest of the game. What it's going to be winning field goal, touchdown, all of the above, tie the game. We're going into overtime, which, by the way, Best overtime rules between the NFL and NCAA is definitely NCAA. And that's due to rule changes they made. It used to be terrible. It used to end in ties all the time. Nobody wants to watch a tie. Um, But that's a little tangent. I love it. I love having a break. I don't like when they take time out of the game. I didn't like it when I was told the games were going to be shorter. Um, I I love college football. I want to see an hour more of the game. So to me... This is wired. Give everyone the officials, give them a break. Let them really focus in for that last two minutes. I I want everyone to be on their A game. I want to see the best of the best play of the game that last two minutes. For me, this is tired. And it's not so much the rule, um, the two-minute warning itself that is tired. I'm tired of the NCAA making changes what to rules when the rules from the previous year's changes aren't even down yet. So they wanted to take more time out of the game and now they want to add back in. Um, it's tired. I am with you on the fact that, yes, I like that pause before the last big plays of the game, but I don't see where this is helpful unless they're going to reverse the rule of leaving the clock running after first downs. Well, it's it's another commercial break. It's a way for them to accrue more money when more eyes are on the TV, especially if the game is close or there's a possibility of someone winning on the final drive or the final couple of drives. Um, it's, it's a way to create ad revenue, which uh, with the amount of money they're paying, you know, our two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, you gotta find you gotta find ways to make money to to pay these bills. All right, all right, all right. All right, Texas Longhorn fans, you know who that is. Your biggest fan. In reported news, head coach Steve Cars or Sarkeesian is getting a getting some payday going on. Not quite approved by the Regents. He was formerly making five point eight million dollars a year. Um, he's going to almost double that to $10.3 million a year. Um, he'll also see a hundred thousand dollar raise, um, the length of the contract. Um, my question to you paying Steve Sarkeesian, 
wired or tired? Wired. It's wired because when coaches prove that they are performing, that they have their students performing, their athletes are on track, they are going to championship games, pay those coaches more. They should have the ability to renegotiate their contracts midway through if they're doing their job and they're doing well at it. Well, yeah, I mean, Shador Sanders was almost making more than Steve Sarkeesian there. Yeah, he definitely deserves a pay raise. I've been really impressed with what he's done with the Longhorns. They're looking really good coming into the SEC. I think right away they're going to challenge for a title. Um, What that looks like, I don't know. Georgia's a beast. Everybody knows that. Um, You know, the argument was Georgia should have been the national championship. Whatever. Bama beat them. It doesn't mean they're not going to be a fantastic team this year. Texas is returning a lot of talent. They've got a great coach. They've done fantastic recruiting. I'm excited to see it. I would say wired as well. Uh, Next up, one of the most exciting topics to me, um, it's how I spent most of my childhood um, was playing NCAA college football. Well, it's coming out this summer, uh, right around July. We've been absent without it for 11 years. And a quick question, and we're not going to answer it right away. We're going to give you some time at home to think about it is do you remember who the last football player and for what team was on the cover of that last NCAA game? Um, EA used to put whoever, whoever had the most incredible previous years. I'm wondering if that dynamic is going to change where they're going to start projecting who's going to have that uh, upcoming season uh, breakout year with with now that they can do nil it's possible maybe they might be floating money to some players i don't know it, the specifics aren't there we don't know how uh monetarily they're going to be paying either teams or players but it's definitely interesting i'm so excited for it to come back you're excited because you're never going to see me ever once it does come out but i'm excited Wired or tired? Uh, I'm wired. I think this is awesome. Uh, With an 11-year hiatus coming back into the picture with, like you said, with that ability to possibly project um, future great players, um, adding faces that are relevant right now to the cover, potentially, um, or covers because let's be real um most games are not sold on a disc yeah anymore. that's true it's gonna be digital so you can definitely like should be able to pick who you want to cover your game right that that could be something they could monetize for an additional cost that could go towards the player like why wouldn't you do that right it's definitely a wired for me uh there has been some backlash Um, Notre Dame's athletic director said that his school might not participate if, unless the athletes benefited from it in some way. Um, I don't know why you would do that. Of course, your athletes are going to benefit from it. Um, 
your school in general is going to benefit from it because they will be children playing this game, wishing that they were Notre Dame players. And now you're going to take your, your whole college out of the picture. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Someone should kick him and his Bakuchi because Jack Swarbrick seems to be a little out of touch with today's, uh, uh, kids like they they love playing football they play madden these kids are gonna wanna be represented in this game should notre dame opt out of this that's gonna affect them huge recruiting wise they're already making a bad decision by not trying to join either the big 10 or sec they're gonna be left behind sauce if they don't get to it and maybe that's something they need to start thinking about whether or not jack swarbrook is gonna be your leader going into the future here because the NCAA is changing. If you ain't in the Big Ten in the SEC, you're just an afterthought. But getting back to that uh, question, the question was who was the last player and for what team was on that last cover of the last game? And I believe it was in 2014. Correct me if I'm I'm wrong. But the answer is Denard Robinson for the University of Michigan. All right, moving on. So, this is something interesting I saw. Uh, we don't often get to talk a lot about Northwestern football, but they're in the process of tearing down their, they call it Ryan Field. It's basically the place they've been playing football for the last hundred years. They're going to tear it down. They've already, they've already begun this. It's going to take three or four months and they're going to construct a brand new stadium in its place. Why are tired tearing down these older uh, stadiums? college stadiums, typically on campus, to build these new stadiums? For me, this one is wired. Butts in seats make dollars for your program. So if you do not have enough space to have the number of fans that want to buy tickets for your game, then you are at a disadvantage. Is it sad that they are tearing down historic places? Yes. Does it make sense to not have a space big enough for all the people that want to watch this game? No. Now, that being said, do I want to see corporate sponsors for fields? Absolutely not. Like it would be the worst day ever if someone went down to Florida and tore down the swamp and put up BP oil stadium. Like, that's awful. But if the programs need more space, I think it is wired for them to be able to do that. Well, yes, uh, I think it's wired, too. I actually, I don't know if they need to tear them down completely like they're doing. And maybe we don't know enough about this field. Like, it could be, it, maybe there was no repairing it. Maybe it's just so, I mean, it's 100 years old. Like, you know, you can only put, you know, bubble gum and uh, glue to hold so much together before it just won't. Um, we were at the national championship game. This was at a new stadium. We had an actual seat to sit in. That was pretty nice. Now, did we sit a lot? No, because you wouldn't be able to see the game. But it it's nice to have a seat if you need it as opposed to sitting on like like a picnic table bench seat. I don't know what you would call that. But those like are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't even have like, Hey man, 
This is my seat. You don't be. This is my your, spot. Like, get your fat ass off my lap. So, uh, wired though, yeah. Let's let's build some new stadiums. But if we can preserve the old ones, let's preserve them. So the Big Ten and the SEC um, formed an advisory committee. Um, they said that the relationship is not intended to circumvent the NCAA. The Big Ten and the SEC are taking it upon themselves to change the direction of college football, though. Is this wired or tired? Wired. Are you kidding me? Yes, yes, yes. Now, do I want Skanky and uh, what's the... Sankey. Yeah. yeah, whatever, Skanky. Um, do I do I prefer to have these guys making the decisions? Probably not. Um, but the NCAA is not getting anything done. Right now, they're just chasing everyone... After this NIL and then the stuff with Michigan and I'm just tired of it all. Like I want to see football. Like you have investigations. Let's open these investigations at the end end of the football season. I don't, I want to be talking about football during football season. I don't want the NCAA to be the top story every day when we're we're talking about championships. Like I fi- I really felt like they put. Uh, a bad light on college football by doing that. And, and we still haven't, what have we learned? Like just accusations made, like it's, it's just frustrating between uh, the NIL issues at Tennessee. I believe Florida had some issues. I'm just tired of it. I want the SEC, the big 10 take control, tell the NCAA you're going to be the face, but we're going to make the decisions. I don't think that it's going to go quite like that. Um, I would say that as this idea is wired because I do think that some good will come out of it. We have seen this in the past, though, where teams or conferences try to have some influence over the NCAA and nothing happens. The NCAA in itself is tired. And I do think that it is time for a change. Yeah. Get a commissioner for crying out loud. I'm so tired of this. That's it for this week's. Wild. Well, tired. Don't forget. We have a special bonus episode this week covering the toughest conference schedules in the big 10 and sec in 2024. We got to go now because my period panties are in a bunch. Let us know what you thought about the show via the socials. Thank you for listening to the Big Ten versus SEC podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share our podcast with your friends. Feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. Get in touch via social media at Big Ten versus SEC. That's B-I-G-1-0-V-S-S-E-C. See you next week for a new episode.